This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I was thinking this morning, when I was in my prayer closet at home, uh, back in 1995, I've been a pastor for three years, and we were trying to clarify for people to know exactly what our ministry is about. And we spent we spent about a week, had a, had a great woman of God who pastors down in Florida now, but she was a traveling minister to help pastors focus on their vision. And we spent several days meeting every day, praying and looking, looking at how God had gifted me, how he wired me, and what he called us to do to make sure we always stayed on focus. And we determined... That of all the different types of ministries there are, there's evangelistic ministries that they're on the streets doing things. There's uh, missions ministries that all they do is have missionaries in and go overseas and do things. They're all God calls. They're all good things. And then uh, there's a lot of ministries they focus on feeding the poor and, and helping unwed mothers and all kinds of things like that. But then we determined that our job was to equip God's people for a victorious Christian living. And then we got here to California, uh, my lovely daughter, daughter-in-law Katie, uh, decided, well, Pastor, you've talked about families all the time. Why don't we modify that to equipping God's families for victorious Christian living? And the whole point of that vision is this. There's a lot of people that come to churches that feel they're called to specific things. And so as we equip you... For a victorious Christian living, for you to know how to be led by the Spirit of God, for you to know how to do what God wants you to do, and then to have His backing to do it, if we equip you and you feel called that you're to feed the poor as a primary part of your life, then we'll equip you to walk in victory so you can feed the poor and work with them. If you feel you're called to the mission field, as we equip you with God's Word how to live a victorious Christian life, then you'll be able to go to the mission field and walk in faith and walk in victory to accomplish God's purposes. You see what I'm saying? And if you feel called into politics, that God wants you to go into the political arena to help affect people in our government, then you'll be able to do that with victory. So in other words, what we're doing today is going to be able to talk about equipping families, going to talk about dads, but things we're going to talk about, you'll see they'll apply to women. They'll apply to children teenagers and everybody else, but we're going to zero in on the dad part. But the things we talk about will work in everybody's life. And the main thing is, God wants you to succeed more than you do in what's on the inside of you. Amen. Everybody's not called to be a pastor. But if you are, we'll equip you to walk in victory, first of all, in your home. So we try to show somebody else how to live. They'll be able to look at you and say, wow, I want to be just like Dylan. Or I want to be just like Austin. Or whoever it is, because they'll see victory in your life. If you're a supervisor on a job, we have a lot of people in supervision and own their own businesses and things like that. And in your business, if you walk in the love of God, and how to walk in faith, at the same time, be able to control what goes on in your business or whatever it is you're doing, that people will want to be just like you if you're a person that walks in authority but walks in love and accomplishes what you say you're going to accomplish. Amen? So that's what we want to do in the ministry is always help people 
know how to walk in victory and what they do. So today, it's how to have a happy Father's Day every day. Every day. Every day. And, you know, I think about uh, Mrs. Pastor and I. You know, we've been married before, but between us, we have eight children. And our eight children are succeeding in life. They're godly people. They're doing what God wants them to do. They're not addicts. They're not alcoholics. They're not perverts. They're people just like you and just like me. But I attribute that to the fact that Mrs. Pastor and I wasn't perfect, but we did our best to walk with God. Did our best to role model for the Word of God what it was to be a Christian and how to live. Amen? And so that's what we want to do, show you how to have a happy Father's Day. And guess what, moms? If you got a, a husband walking with God and he's a happy father, you're going to be a happy mother. Amen? Amen. And for the kids. Kids, if you got a dad that's walking with God and he's a happy father walking with God, guess what? It's going to make life better for you too. So that's the things we want to look at. I want you to look at Psalms 128. <clears throat> Psalms 128. And, uh, you know, I, I just want to say this. What, what, what's, what's the title today? How to have a happy Father's Day. So let me tell you one thing that will help. We are faith people. And some of you look at, look like we're at a wake. So practice putting a smile on your face when you come to church. Hey, man. And you know, Pastor Dave says, uh, he heard somewhere, fake it till you make it. Well, if you walk on, if you walk by faith, what's on the inside will show up on the outside. Amen. So let's practice happy face. Very good, very good. Besides that, it makes it easier to preach too. <laughs> and so, how to have a happy Father's Day. And I, I want to, I, I want to say a couple of things I wrote down this morning because they're really going to be pertinent. Christianity and Christian families under attack like never before. Why is that? Because according to the Bible, the Christian family is supposed to be a reflection to the world of what the Garden of Eden was like. Of what heaven's like. We're in the last days, and as Christian families, we need to know God's ways for our family. And walk in those. My pastor, Pastor Landry, before before Dr. Barclay was, Pastor Landry was my pastor from 1980 to move to heaven many years later. But he said something that always stuck with me. He said, don't preach against something, preach for something. Don't preach against, preach for. And so, I think about Christians today in the time we live in, they're focusing on the counterfeit instead of on the real. And so I'm not going to get into all the different stupid things there are going on in society today that we know are wrong. The world's focusing on all the wrong stuff and what talk about what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. The Lord told me back in the fall of 2000, it's not in that book there, but that book, that book that we wrote, he told me, he said, start acting like him and quit looking at what's wrong, look at what's right. 
That's what we're going to do today. We're look what's right. And so there's a whole lot of wrong within our country today. And we hear about it all the time. So I'm going to talk about the real according to the holy written word of God. And, you know, I think about that counterfeit thing. Uh, I heard the example years ago, and I, I, I presume it's true. It sounds to me like it ought to be true. said when people go to work at the bank, the tellers said they never show them counterfeit money. They have them close their eyes and fill and fill and fill and fill what real money looks like. They look at it. They know it. They know the real. So as soon as the counterfeit gets in their hand, they say, hey, something's not right. This isn't right. And so we as Christians, my heart's prayer today is so strong for you and for people watching that this won't just be so that was just so good. We went to our church. It was so wonderful what the Father's got. If we're going to get our country where God wants it to be, you've got to change. I've got to change. You know, Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed by renewing of your mind so you can know the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So you can know. And then it's not just knowing, it's changing and doing it. Amen. We can't ignore what's out there because it's smacking us in the face every day. And there's so much stupid going on that if you say something what the Bible says, your life will get fired, slammed, slandered, and everything like that. I'm going to focus on the Bible. I'm going to say what the Bible has to say. And in doing that, I'm going to live it the best I can and change every day to what God says to the real and not the counterfeit. Amen? And so we're going to look at the real, the genuine, the holy written word of God, and then talk about some points in this. And the whole purpose being, if you're walking in God's will and God's ways, you're going to be happy. You're going to be satisfied. And then your family, your family will follow your example. Amen. And you're not going to have a whining, crying, perverted family. You gotta have a family that walks in the blessing of God. I'm, I'm gonna get this, read this, but I was thinking about this the other day, uh, one of the ladies of the church wanted to come and, and talk to Mrs. Pastor at home, so we ended up having lunch together. And she is thinking, thinking us, for our example, how we've walked. As we sit there talking, I did not realize how many times I walked away from money and jobs because it's gonna take me out of the will of God. It's gonna take me away from church. But takes me away from the call of God. And so I walked away from lots and lots and lots of money. Matter of fact, we came here. It uh, be coming up real soon. My birthday weekend of 2005, we came to California to sit by being pastors of this church. Well, at that point in time, I'd been a pastor for a lot of years, but went through a lot of financial problems back in Indiana. Eventually, the church fell. And that's that's. That's sad to say, but it did. At that point in time, I had a whole lot of truck driving experience as a teamster's truck driver, and we were broke in the middle of a transition, and I had a chance for three different teamsters jobs. And my brother was a big was a was a big shop for teamsters in Indiana, and all I had to do was pick up the phone and say, Hey, I'd like you to help me get one of those jobs. And praise God for a good help meet. 
I was so close to doing that, my wife said, no, don't do it. You'll get in trouble. And she needed money, too, because we were one. Still had two kids at home. And so I chose to say no to being led by money and natural security. And I chose to follow the Word of God, the plan of God in our hearts. And guess what? What long after that, here we are in California. And we're pastors. But my, amen. But I'm saying I didn't even think about those things. This lady was talking to her, just talking about life and different things. And so I'm saying, after that, God started leading my family out here. One by one. Family starts showing up, working in ministry. It didn't just happen or something just happened. Or aren't you lucky? What did you lucky? It hurt the flesh. Not to have money to meet needs for a season. But praise God, we chose Jesus. We chose Jesus. We chose Jesus. Is our family happy now? Yes, our family's happy now. Was our family happy that season? No, my family wasn't happy in that season. It wasn't fun being broke. But praise God, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. He comes to have life and that more abundantly, so we stuck with the word. Every penny come into our house, God got 10% of it. Everything that came in, we stuck with the word, we stuck with Jesus, and here we are. And so uh, we're, we're, I think, a little bit qualified to show you how to follow Jesus. And just remember this, never, ever, ever focus on where you are. Look to Jesus, the word of God, where he wants you to be, and faith will get you there. Amen? Psalms 128, and remember this, God's word is God's will and God's ideal plan for all of mankind. You can't do it yourself. you got to follow the plan. You can't just build a house out of your head. It's nice to have some exact measurements, have the right materials, that qualified people to help you start building that house. Well, God's more than qualified. The Bible's the plan, and God gives you teachers to show you how to follow the plan. And so Psalms 128 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, Round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, that means grandchildren, and peace upon Israel. And so what God's doing here, he's describing in detail his desire for families that choose to do things his way. I want to say this again. This is God's desire for families that choose to do things his way. God's got a plan, but in this he gave some very specific instructions about our part in the plan. You know, something that unlearned Christians that haven't been taught the Bible don't understand, God doesn't just do whatever he wants to do. God set up a system, 
That's a system of faith. As a system of faith, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So number one thing is, God always, to be able to do what he wants to do in your life as an individual, as a family, in a church, in a business, in a nation, anything in the whole world that God wants to do, the Bible already tells you how God wants it done. How he wants it done. James one twenty two. You know, I say a lot of verses, but I don't. I, I don't look at it because we've got too much to do. But you need to write every one of these verses down and make sure you know these for your life to live them. James one twenty two says, "Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves." And so, so many people say ignorant things like, "Well, it must not, must not have been the will of God." No, if it was good. And he gave it to you out of the Bible. It's the will of God. But if it didn't work for you, then somewhere along the way, you missed something God didn't. Because he's the same yesterday and forever, and he never changes. So he says, be doers of the word. That means, when you see in the Bible God's ideal for your family, for a husband, for a wife, for children, to enjoy God's best, if it doesn't come to pass in your life, Maybe somewhere you decided that's too hard. He said to those that reverence the Lord and walk in his ways, it takes faith. It takes faith to praise God in bad times. It takes faith to come to a church faithfully when you think everybody else is perfect and they've all got to go on their lives they don't have any problems. But then, as you mature as a Christian, begin to realize they've got the same problems I do, except they've learned how to cast their cares upon the Lord. They've learned how to not worry, but to walk in faith. They've learned how to say, by his stripes, I am healed while they're believing God for the healing. They've learned how to say, I'm going to faithfully tithe consistently, even when things look like it's absolutely broke. They've learned how to say, I'm going to love my ex-wife, my ex-husband. I'm going to love my boss. I'm going to love that rebellious employee in spite of how they're acting. They've learned how to walk by faith, not by sight. That's all things that God told us to do in the Word of God. If you're going to walk in His ways, you're going to start doing those things when you see them in spite of how you feel. And you're going to, instead of saying, you hurt my feelings. You're going to say, praise God, I walk in love, I endure long, I'm patient and kind. This First Corinthians 13 talks about. I take no account of the evil done to me. I pay no attention to a suffered wrong. I'm ever ready to believe the best of every person. Even that person right now that's trying to destroy my life, trying to destroy my family, trying to steal from me, I'm going to be the best of every person. Why is that? Because First Corinthians 13 a says love never fails. Love never fails. It says God is love and God lives in me so I can walk with the God kind of love. And then like Jesus said on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when you're a man or woman of God walking in his ways, the best thing you can do for people trying to hurt you is pray for mercy for them because there's going to come a point in time 
that mercy on their lives is going to run out because they can't keep attacking a righteous man or a righteous woman and get by with it. And so a lot of times those attacks you're going through is because God's having mercy on the one doing the attacking because he knows if things don't change, you've got to judge it. And so in the meantime, you're supposed to be a man or woman that God knows how to walk in his ways. You keep on walking right, loving right, and doing right because you can say from the bottom of your heart, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing because I know. I know I'm your child. I know you love me. I know you said that uh, that that vengeance belongs to you. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you right now. I'm praying for mercy for them. And, Lord, thank you. I've got the grace to go through this thing until it's taken care of. Amen? And that's what we're talking about here, these blessings he has here. So, anyway, this is his desire for families. And so, notice, the first thing he said blesses everyone that feareth the Lord. That means you reverence him. It says you choose to walk in his ways. You choose to walk in his ways. And so you make the quality decision that whatever you see in the word, in the Bible to do, you're going to change your lifestyle and habits to conform to what you see. You're going to change. And, you know, I think I think about, about we as Christians, no matter how long you've been saved, no matter how long you've been born again, no matter how well you know the Bible, if you are a person that sincerely reverences the Lord, you're going to read the Bible freshly, listen to sermons like this freshly, like, wow, Lord, I want to hear something. I want to receive something. And then when you do, you're going to suddenly think, wow, I've heard that lesson. I've heard this subject taught so many times I never saw that before. All of a sudden you see something. And that's what it means to reverence the Lord, walk in his ways. You change. You say, Jesus, I thought I was doing what this verse said to all the days of my life. And I was to the best of my ability, to the best of my knowledge. But the Bible says that God will open your eyes of understanding. Jesus said, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. All of a sudden, your ears picked up a sound they didn't hear before. And, you know, I know that for me, it's amazing living out in the country like we do, with no, no traffic around us, no city noise around us, at nighttime, when the lights are out, how loud a clock, two rooms away, with the door closed, you can hear ticking. Yeah, I've got clocks that tick-tocked. I didn't know how much they... What are you guys laughing at? I'm not talking about my gongs. I've got... I've got several clocks, and I have a wonderful woman of God that heard from the Lord one time. They gave me a beautiful cuckoo clock from Germany, and they need it. still works very well. These people hear cuckoo every time they come over. And then I stop. I look at the little men dancing around the circle. The thing's happening. But what I'm saying is this. When you're in the city, there's a lot of sounds you can't hear in your own house because of the noise around you. And so as a Christian... If you're reverencing God and walking in His ways, you get quiet before Him. You come to church services with a hungry heart. You go to hear something you never heard before. And the good news about it is this. God doesn't hold you accountable for what you don't know. He does hold you accountable for what you do know. And so suddenly you begin to hear something in the Word of God in your spirit that resonates. And you think, Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 
And instead of saying, that's hard, that's hard, that's hard. Your words will control you. Instead of whining about how hard it is to do what God says to do, say Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Lord, you show me that. I see that. And I can do that through you who strengthens me. So in the name of Jesus, I'm going to start doing this part of the Word of God that I've never seen before. But I know it's right. It's the Bible. Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And I will change. But if you turn it into a whiner, say, why did God tell me that? He told you that because He wants you to grow so He can bless you more. Amen. He said, blessed is every man that fears the Lord. Are you going to fear men? Are you going to fear God? Amen. Are you going to reverence God more than what other people think? I'm going to reverence God. Why is that? So the rest of this psalm can work in my family. Amen. Somebody can praise the Lord or something. You've got to change your lifestyle. As you grow, you've got to change things. You've got to start more and more conforming yourself to the Word of God. Verse 2. Verse 2. He says, For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be. Shall be well with thee. And so when you're doing verse 1, reverence to the Lord, walking in His ways, He said the blessing of God on your life will be your paycheck. What you do for a living even if you're self-employed, will be more than enough. Isn't that what he said? He said the labor of your hands, your labor? He said it will be more than enough to meet all your needs, and you'll be happy and enjoy life. I want you to get this. And, you know, I'm really a nice older man now, but I'm nice. And because I'm nice, Ephesians chapter 4, it talking about ministers, says, speak the truth in love. I'm going to tell you right now, one of God's ways is to be a person that pays 10% tithes to him. And so, if I were you, and things wouldn't work with my paycheck or what I do for a living to meet my needs, the first thing I would check is this, am I faithfully giving God 10%? That's called walking in His ways. That's called reverence to the Lord. You can check all the things you want to. You can talk about how good a person you are, how much you don't do all the wrong things that other people do. But God said, when you're doing verse 1, that verse 2 is, said the labor of your hands will be more than enough. And you know what? That makes your family happy. We're talking about having a happy Father's Day every day. He said, you'll be happy. It'll be well with you. And we're talking today about how to have a happy Father's Day every day. And Psalms 128 tells you about what the family is, what it's supposed to be. And so he said, happy shall thou be. What's the opposite of happy? Sad. Depressed. Fearful. What are we going to do? Well, God says right here, you'll eat the labor of your hands. Your income will be more than enough. You won't be, have to work three or four jobs. That's not God's best. If you have to do that right now, then just 
keep on doing what you don't do for Jesus, that will change. It'll turn around because God wants you to be able to be available to your family. Amen. He wants you to be able to go to church regularly. He wants to turn things around. It says, happy shalt thou be, and shall be well with thee. And then verse 3, it says, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Doesn't that paint a good picture? You know, God always paints natural pictures to give you spiritual understanding. And I think about what me and, pa- me and Mrs. Pastor, she'll never talk me into it again. This is the last time. The last time this time. This is the last time. You've heard me tell year after year, we're not planting any gardens anymore. Well, this year she had the surefire plan. I got a nice place. I went down to Home Depot. I bought the fanciest, best guaranteed garden dirt they ever had. Bought the best seeds they ever had. And we got it rabbit-proofed. I thought that was the only problem. I got an automatic timer. Good water supply. Bought rabbit fence. Got railroad ties. Everything all secured and in there. I put wire under the ground. I put wire on the ground and around everything. All set up to go. There's no way rabbits could get it this year. Had the right dirt. There's no way they said it wasn't the good dirt. Little plants started coming up. Everything going good. Little plants go with. All of a sudden, the plants are all going. Nobody told me about lizards. So, we have a nice place. Fenced off. Rabbit fence. Rabbits can stare at it. They couldn't get anything. Now they just stare at the dirt. And so, what I'm saying, that's not, that's not a picture of a fruitful vine. So, Mrs. Pastor and I aren't going to do it anymore again, again. I've preached that sermon year after year since we've been out here. But every year, she's got a better plan. I suppose next year she'll show me the lizard-proof plan. Is there anything else out there I need to know about anybody? (laughs) Anyway, anyway, this picture here, God said, your wife will be like a fruitful vine. That means she'll produce and get to be the things that a wife and mother is supposed to be. If you're the man that's fearing the Lord, walking in his ways, he says that's how your wife's going to be. She'll be fruitful too. And, you know, I want to say something. I'm not going to get off into all the stupid stuff America says about families because America's wrong. God said that if the husband lines up first, then the wife will follow. Said husband, said you fear the Lord, walk in his ways, and then says wife can be fruitful then if the man's doing right. And Mrs. Pastor and I talk about ministry of things that God has for us to do. She says, I know I can't do anything till you tell me what to do for what God has for us because I know that the Bible says you're the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so I'm backing you and I'm waiting on you. And so husbands, this is what we end up at that little bit. You are the head whether you like it or not. You can live in denial, but your family will suffer. 
And so I decided years ago that if God said I was the head, I was going to walk as the head. Amen. Not be mean, not be dictator, but to be the one that heard from God so we can pull together and lead our family right. Amen. And so God says, your wife is going to be fruitful. And said, look at your children. They're all playing video games, walking the streets, getting drunk, selling dope, living in sexual perversion. That's not what he said. He said, your children will sit around your dinner table. That's what God said. God said that. And that's if the husband just goes out and does what he wants to do, never comes home. He's always out playing sports. Always out running around with the guys, never shows up. No, he said, husbands, said you reverence the Lord and you walk in his ways, and this is the kind of family you'll have. No better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. This is the word of God. That's what he said. And so, your wife will be contented, your marriage will be very very satisfying, and your children won't be rebellious addicts to smartphones, video games, but they'll sit at your dinner table where you all have fellowship and can actually talk to one another. Isn't that better than sitting there saying to text each other from one room to the other? And then have to monitor what are they watching, what are they doing? What if they monitored you, Dad? What are you watching? What are you doing? What are you playing with? Moving right along. And so, verse 4, Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. He said, this is how the man will be blessed that feareth the Lord. I'm so grateful that when I got born again on January 29, 1980, it was a real conversion. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues on February the 4th, 1980. Well, why are you saying that stuff, Pastor? Because God became real to me. Jesus became real to me. And because spiritual things became real to me, I remember President Truman. He was the first president that I, when I was a kid, President Truman was president. And they, they said that he had a sign on his desk that said, the buck stops here. And what that meant was this. How many know that every politician pretty much we ever hear of blames what's going on on the last guy? And then when they finally get voted out or die out or whatever they do, that the next guy blames what happened on them. They just always pointed at the last guy. Well, I knew for my family, the kids that I had and the future I had, I was not going to blame it on my dad. On how I was raised. I was not going to blame it on my, my wife or anybody else. I said, whatever happens to this, this bunch of kids I've got, whatever happens, I'm not going to blame somebody else. The buck stops here. And then I remember, I remember, as a very young Christian, in the spirit, I stopped. I pointed my hand out in the spiritual realm with the devil. I said, Satan, the sample's curse is broken. There'll never be an alcoholic, a thug, or a crook in my house. My kids are going to follow me 
as I follow Jesus, we're going to be a godly family. If anything's going wrong, I'm not going to look to who caused it. I'm going to point at me. I'm going to say, that guy in the mirror right now I'm looking at, you will change, mister. Because the Bible says, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, that children imitate their father. If you don't like the way your kids are, maybe you better look in the mirror. And then I just say for me, and I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on the Word of God. I'm bragging on His promises that come to pass if you obey the Word of God. Is this, I can look in the mirror, I can look out here. I look at these two sitting right here. I look at these two sitting right here. I look at all those grandchildren that are upstairs in different places in children's church. I can look down in Georgia. I look down in Florida. I look at Indiana. We got kids anywhere else? Where else? New York. <laughs> I can look at all those places. I can look in the mirror. I can say, Jesus, thank you that your word works. Thank you that my children around the country are following me as I followed you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful. I don't have to do what I saw my dad do. I, I led my dad to the Lord. He's in heaven. Led my mom to the Lord. She's in heaven. But I remember my dad and mom, no matter how much they made, they couldn't keep it because it's always getting somebody out of jail. I was always having to buy somebody another car because they had a drunken wreck and wrecked a car. All the things that happened, the curse was broken when I received Jesus because I chose to walk in the blessing and walk away from the curse I want to say it one more time. You can either be a loser or you can be a winner. A loser always blames somebody else for the problem. A winner looks and says, no matter where the attack come from, whatever happened, I'm the one that God called, God anointed to lead this family. And so these things that are hitting us, I may not have caused them, but I'm the one called use my faith to get rid of them. Amen. I told you, I want to help people today. I want you to see things and, you know, I just, I don't know how to say it, but there's a prevailing spirit in the country today to always blame somebody else for your trouble. And always try to, always try to weigh, try to weigh to find, to say, how unjust, how fair it is. Let me tell you something, guys. There's a spiritual warfare going on. Satan is not fair about anything. Satan's the one the Bible says divides. He's the one that deceives. He's the one that's the accuser of the brethren. He's the one. He's the one that's the schemer to destroy your family. And he will always... 1 Peter chapter 5 says he will always, always, always go about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says he throws fiery darts in your head. There's lying spirits. That's going to tell you that your wife did something wrong. That your husband did something wrong. That your kids are losers. 
that you can't do anything right. Well, in the natural, those things are probably all a fact. But in the spiritual, it says we're sons and daughters of God. It says we can do anything and everything in the name of Jesus. And so we need to start recognizing the spiritual warfare. What's fair about life in the world we live in today? Probably nothing. What's fair in the kingdom of God? Everything. What's right in the kingdom of God? Everything. The kingdom of God never changes. But the kingdom of God within you changes things. Amen. Amen. And so, he says, Blessed thus shall the man be that feareth the Lord. And so, God repeats himself in this verse here, what he said in verse 1, to qualify, you the man must reverence the Lord and line up your life with his word. I want to say that again. I learned off Brother Hagin years ago, years ago, in him teaching ministers. But I said under him at ministers' conferences and things, he always said this. God always has a standard for ministry in the Bible. Shows us what the standard is. I said, to be able to be blessed by God in your ministry, you've got to qualify. I said, the whole thing about it, it's just like high jumping. Anybody ever do high jumping in school? We used to, but I don't know if they still do that stuff. We did back when I was in school. And the thing about it, every time we cleared the bar, we didn't win. They just raised it again. And we thought, wow, look at that, man. I went that high. Then they raised the bar. That's the way it is in the kingdom of God. God keeps raising the standard. So Brother Hagin said, if you really look at this all the way through, none of us qualify. He said, what do you do? You keep coming back and learning more qualified for where you are. You keep qualified. You keep qualified. And so God tells us here what it takes to qualify to have a family like this. And so we need to keep changing. God's word is God's will and his plan for your family to be blessed. And so the, to enjoy the blessings described in Psalms 128, I want to look at this coming in the home stretch, Colossians chapter 3. Just some real simple things show us how to walk in the light of Psalms 128. Colossians chapter 3. And, you know, I, I want to say this about simple verses like this in chapter 3. They're simple, but they're not fruitful unless you do them. It's so simple. You know, I, I think about the Word of God that in our lives... God never tells us something that's impossible for us to do. Maybe impossible in the flesh or in human reasoning, but in the spiritual, if you begin to live out of your spirit, then these things are really, really simple. And uh, I just want to say, fathers, husbands, wives, and children, this is God's simple instructions, simple instructions from His Word that He expects you to live by if you want a happy home. If you want a happy home. You know, there's an expression that we use, that I use all the time. i got it written down in my Bible in different places. Choices have consequences. Tell you what, that would be a good time for you husbands and wives to bring the great tape out of your home. Is winning that stupid argument that you don't know what it was about tomorrow, is winning that argument today worth losing your family? 
Even if you're right, you're wrong when you bring strife in. You know, the Lord told me years ago about faith. He said before you can learn the language of faith, you've got to learn the language of silence. It's very, 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 and I can speak from experience. My wife and I have a wonderful, wonderful uh, marriage. But I know my kids have been around long enough. And my daughter-in-laws and sons-in-laws that sometimes to see the wonderful marriage not sound too wonderful for a few minutes. But then you know what we learned to do a long time ago? We get over the stupid and laugh real quick. But the older I get, the more I've learned that she's always right. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. We have to start doing what the Bible says to do to keep peace in our home. And so, if you want a happy home, choices have consequences. Is it worth winning that little battle to lose the war? And we are in a spiritual warfare. So, Colossians 3, verse 18 to 21 says, wives, submit yourselves uh, to everybody else and keep your husband out of it. <clears throat> We're talking about how to have a happy home that God can bless. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as, is, as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, Obey your parents in all things. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And so, for Psalms 128 blessings to have that happy, peaceful home, where everybody is getting along, things are fruitful. Wives, verse 18, pray for your husbands. Love him, trust him, encourage him to make decisions to lead the family. Encourage him to make decisions to lead the family. And I want to say this, you are anointed to help, he's anointed to lead, to lead. give him space to lead. That's hard to do for a wife that has a dumb butt husband. Where'd that come from? <laughs> it came it come from on purpose. I could have measured those words, but it's true. If you're married to a Christian man and he's not taking his position, give him space. I know my wife and I, I've told told this story analogy that the Lord gave me years ago several times. I'll tell it in a condensed version. Some of you probably never heard of it. Some of you have heard it many times. Well, back when our children were little, we used to go to the Indiana State Fair a lot. And they had these Clydesdale horses. Anybody know what a Clydesdale is? They're about as big as an elephant. They're the biggest horse you ever saw. They're like work horses. I mean, their back's that high up in the air. And they, they got feet that big around. They're workhorses. 
They, 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 could, they, could, they could move mountains. And so anyway, I had Joshua in one hand, Pastor David in the other hand, and we were walking around looking at things. We were in the horse barn. And we'd just go up from one big barn to the other out of the place, seeing the sheep, cows, pigs, everything else. We were in the horse barn. And they had these great big doors, and I had these two little kids in my hand, and we just would look at things, open the door, and walked out. And what I did, they had the Clydesdale parade going on. They had like six of these big elephant horses hooked up to these big stagecoach wagons. And I walked out that door and walked right into it. And all I looked was up. And I looked around. And at that point in time, I wasn't as brave about horses as I am now since I married a woman that loves horses. We've had a lot of horses. I wasn't very brave then. And so at that point in time, that wasn't a little dime horse at the store. This was real horses and a bunch of them. I looked up at him, and I had my two little kids there, and I froze. Man, I, you know, I was afraid of horses. I didn't know what to do. And so I was able somehow to back up and close the doors. And my heart went, like that, those giant horses. But then the Lord talked to me about my marriage. He said, all those horses are equal in strength. He said, but one horse is the lead horse. And said the wagon master has the reins that go to the lead horse. He gives direction to the lead horse, and they're all equal in strength, but then they're trained. The other horses follow the lead of the lead horse. The wagon master doesn't give directions to six horses. He gives directions to one horse. Then one horse begins to move according to the directions the other five follow. He said, that's how your marriage is supposed to be. He said, I'm not going to give the directions for the family to your wife. I'm going to give them to you. And then your wife's going to follow you and help you lead the family. And that's not to say that the wife's weaker, because she's not. Physically she is, but spiritually she's not. In Christ Jesus, women have the same spirit that men have, the Holy Spirit. Women have the same word that we have, the word of God. But the woman, according to the Bible, the woman is gifted, graced, and called to help. That's why the Bible calls her helpmeet. She's the helpmate. She helps. What does she help do? She helps the, the man of God lead the family. God gives directions to the man. He gives the grace to the wife to help the man. Now, lots of everyday things, the wife is the main one that makes all the decisions of so many things in life. But when it comes down to the direction of this family, God told me in no uncertain terms, in line with the Word of God. He said, I'm the wagon master. You're the lead horse for your family. He said, I'm going to give you the lead what to do. Major decisions in life about houses, major financial decisions, Job decisions, where we're going to live, what we're going to do, the first one God's going to talk to is going to be the husband. If God's already put it in the wife's heart first, that's good. But the wife can't jump out and lead. Could you imagine what those horses would be like pulling those big wagons if five horses pulled against the lead? That might tell you why so many Christian homes are wrecks right now.
Children are not anointed or qualified to make decisions on how you're going to raise them. You know, a direction that I, I was going to go to, the Lord gave it to me this way. When God talked to Abraham, God said, I know Abraham. I'm going to be able to bless him and bring to pass his life what I said I would do because I know he's going to command his children as household after him. And then the opposite of that was the priest Eli. Eli let his kids, his sons, his grown sons run wild. They had sex with the women outside the temple. They stole the offerings and everything else. Eli, because he didn't raise his children right, God said, Eli, you're not going to finish out what I called you to do. He was a priest. He said, you and your sons are all going to die. And they did. Because it says, Eli saw the evil his children were doing. That says he restrained them not. He restrained them not. Dads, you can't be too busy making money that you don't stop and control those boys or those girls. How many here besides me were a young sinner dad at one time? You was a dad, you was a sinner. Man, these guys are all righteous and holy. How many of you guys were young teenage men and you weren't saved yet. This, this, this is just, this is a real service, okay? Center boys haven't changed. They see pretty girls. They don't want to just be nice with them. They want to get beyond nice. They want something else. So I'll tell you this, dads. If you got these center boys sniffing around your girls, you better take authority over it. I was a sinner boy in a sinner family. And sinner boys basically have one, one goal when they're around the young girls. This isn't in the notes. But this is the plan of God. Dads, because they've been around the world once or twice, but they see these boys coming around, these young girls. Dads know by experience what's going on. If your daughter gets mad at you, if she throws a fit, I'd a whole lot rather have a daughter throwing a fit, getting mad at me and call me some names for a few minutes than have my daughter get in trouble that we have to live with the rest of our lives. Oh, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. And it goes the same thing for your boys, guys. Watch out how long your boys are hanging out that young thing, too, by themselves. How many has been there and done that? We've been down that road before. And so, who's the lead horse in the family? Husbands. Fathers. God's given you the grace to lead. So lead. Amen. You and your wife, even if your wife gets weak and says, oh, that's okay, he's a nice boy, or that's okay, 
They're just laying on the bed and they're at the door closed doing homework. Yeah, they're doing homework all right. Amen. I'm talking about having a happy family that's blessed. Amen. And so, uh, wives, you pray, give you space to lead. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives, be not bitter against them. Husbands, treat your wife like a lady. Respect her as a daughter of God. She's God's daughter before she's yours, before she's your wife. Cut her some slack. When you walk in the door from work, this will be some good advice for all the husbands. When you walk, when you walk in the door from work, don't overlook the dozens of things that she did to make your house a home and then find one thing to complain about. Wives, that's a good time to say amen. Thank you, Pastor. I want to say it again. Husbands, when you walk in the door, don't look around to try to find one thing wrong instead of all the things that are right. You know what that's called? The voice of experience. (laughs) Been there and done that. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things. This is well pleased to the Lord. And so you kids and teens that are listening and old enough to understand, if you want God's and your parents' blessing, stop talking back and sassing them. Stop talking back and sassing them. Learn some good manners like, okay, Dad, okay, Mom, I'll do that. We're talking to children now because you're part, you're part of the family. Learn some good manners if you want to be blessed. If you want God's blessing, learn some good manners and just do what they say to do and keep your mouth shut. And then verse 21, this is where we close at. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Fathers, you don't have to raise your voice, threaten or yell. You've got God-given anointing. You've got God-given wisdom. You've got God-given ability to lead those kids. You don't have to threaten them. Treat your children and your teens like they're children of God because they are. Because they are. Don't make them feel like losers. Show them courtesy, respect, and you will see them to grow into the men and women of God he intends they should be. So respect is a two-way thing. You have the authority. Walk in it with love. Keep your word. Do what's right. Have mercy when you need to. Change when you need to. But the main thing is, when you reverence the Lord and you walk in His ways, says your family is going to be happy and your family is going to be blessed. And so let's all make the quality decision today that we're going to change to be more like the man or woman of God God wants us to be. And we'll have a happy Father's Day and a happy Family Day every day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.